Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to another Red Ice interview. Great to have you with us once again. If you are new, make sure you check out our websites, redice.tv and redicemembers.com. Today we have Irish investigative journalist. Uh, she's um, independent today, but uh, she has a foot in the mainstream uh, journalist field uh, going way back. Uh, Gemma or Dorothy joins us from uh, Ireland. Hi, Gemma. How's it going? Good to see you. Hi, Henrik. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. It's great to finally have you on. I wanted to, I think we reached out to you probably a year, maybe more ago. I, I can't even remember. We just haven't been able to get it together, but it's great to have you here. And it's perfect time too, by the way, because there's a lot of things happening in Ireland. We always like to keep an eye on that. And, and one of the things that's uh, been popping off more recently is, of course, some of the mass uh, protests that we've seen. A lot of people on the streets in Ireland are mobilizing. You've been out. You've been out covering some of this. You have uh, clashes with police as you have uh, peaceful protesters who's trying to push back uh, against some of the open borders and the immigration issue over there. So tell us a little bit. Give us uh, like a 10,000 feet view, if you will, of what's going on right now in Ireland. The annihilation of our country, basically. And I can see really at this stage, I don't want to be pessimistic, but it's not looking good for Ireland. Ireland, I think, above all of the EU countries, has been targeted more heavily by mass immigration in particular. I mean, every day we hear stories of thousands of Ukrainians moving in here to a tiny little village, you know, on the the Atlantic coast or wherever, and it's relentless. Uh, as far as my protesting days are concerned, they are over. Um, I objected strongly to the lockdown. In, fa- in fact, myself and my colleague, John Waters, we took one of the first court cases against the lockdown in the world uh, in April 2020. And I had been, you know, in the conspiracy world, I suppose, for a few years before that. Um, as an investigative journalist and had been looking at various things such as vaccines and fluoride in the water and all of this sort of stuff, wind turbines, etc. So uh, I, when the lockdowns happened, I knew what, what they were up to. And I did, you know, try to get people to rally people at that point to oppose the lockdowns in a non-violent way and stand up against the checkpoints, you know, where we were faced with checkpoints, because Ireland had the toughest lockdown in the EU that's been established and we had the longest one. Um, So I noticed, though, very quickly, Henrik, that I was being surrounded by actors, crisis actors, um, I would say CIA-funded types, operatives, And they were trying to, I suppose, take over. And I noticed some of them were becoming violent and I would be extremely pacifist in my approach. I'm, you know, for me, saving Ireland, the only way is by going back to our Catholic faith. That that is absolutely, that's my biggest priority now for the country. So I... You know, but I stood up against the lockdown. I paid a heavy price. I now have, I I can't remember, four or five criminal convictions because I was, we were using banners during the lockdown to try and warn people that the vaccine was coming. And I was assaulted by a police officer one day. And that resulted in, I mean, obviously I didn't react, but I was doing a stream at the time a live stream and I was talking about the corruption in the Irish police, which is one of my areas of expertise. And I um, was assaulted by this individual who had a knife 
on him at the time. And that resulted in me getting three convictions. I also got convictions for moving around the country during the lockdown. And I could see really there was no one else in the country getting these convictions of a high profile nature, you know. So um, I came to understand that the people that I thought were genuine uh, were actually not. And since then, the entire protest movement in Ireland has been taken over by violent thugs, I would call them. And I don't believe that they're representative of the Irish people. Hmm, really? Uh, OK, yeah, because I mean, I've seen some at least and, and maybe that's. You know, this was during the COVID times. Maybe that was something different. I'm not sure if it's the same now with the some of the anti-immigration protests that we're seeing, the anti-open borders and, and really anti-replacement protests. Uh, at least what I've seen, a lot of that has been very peaceful. You know, Irish people, but you have the the, the guardy uh, coming after people. That they're, they're they're targeting them. They're they're the ones being violent against them and stuff like that. But uh, you probably have a little bit more on the ground experience than that, and and you know what uh, what individuals you are talking about. But most of what I've seen have seen pretty yeah. peaceful at least, right? So no, th there's no doubt that the bulk of the people probably are genuine. But unfortunately, as we know, the Marxist Jewish tactic is to infiltrate the leadership. So what will happen is you'll have the people who are trying to mobilize the protests taking over. And I mean, my opinion is there's no point in going to migrant centers. It, this should be taken to the door of government. Right. Yeah. Um, but I really believe until you can get maybe 100,000 on the streets at the parliament, which is called Dáil Éireann, um, or at the office of the prime minister, there's no point. You know, you can stand outside a hostel with 100 Pakistanis in it all night, but it, it, that's pointless because they just move them around. So protests have not worked. They've, throughout the history of Europe, resulted in revolutionary actions, in violence and you know, they're usually infiltrated by Freemasons who create this violence. And, you know, so my approach now to people, my advice to people is you have to be an army of one. You have to make your own home, your own property, your own family. That has to be your priority. And then your broader parish, your neighbors, as many people as you can get on board, protect your and waken up your own area. I hate the word community, <laughs> like it's a word we never used in Ireland. It's a real lefty word. I would rather use parish, but that's what I mean. Uh, but standing outside migrant centres, it's doing nothing. It's just creating more violence. It's having absolutely no effect. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's true. I agree with you in the sense that it's not the migrants is just a, a tool. They're just a, a weapon essentially used against yeah. us. And not all of them, obviously, but many of them, they, they act in, in such a manner that, uh, you know, that that evokes, you know, responses from us and stuff like that. But obviously, exactly. I mean, the problem is the people that are letting them in, those who have both advocated for this, those who have uh, propagandized our nations in some cases over decades to get us to kind of drop our guards and think that it's immoral if we don't let these people in and we have to replace ourselves. We have to you know, feed them and fund them and take care of them. And then, of course, look at all the problems that it's causing. Right. But yeah, politicians, lobby groups, uh, people behind the scenes. That's what we need to need to take it. Uh, but that's very hard uh, so far to do. A lot of people are like, well, you know, then you're talking about getting into politics and, and, and getting into people into political positions and stuff like that. I think you need to fight on every single level that you possibly can. If you can, you know, if you can 
fund somebody today that that, that gets an education, gets a, a, you know specifically uh, you know uh, civic studies and 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 put, you know basically you <laughs> you educate them to go into politics and maybe in 10, 15 years you can have that person placed uh, in a position, hopefully somewhere where they can start inflicting change. But it's just I, I know what you what you mean. It feels like such such a gridlock and an impossibility of sorts. Uh, it almost feels like you have to yeah, just no, break I, away, I you know. Like- I don't believe in politics at all anymore. Yep. I think that's been well and truly that. proven. Like the, the the march of the Marxists through the institutions mm-hmm. has been incredibly successful. They control all of the institutions of the state. Yes, we could say let's spend the next 20 years trying to infiltrate the institutions ourselves. I would rather say let's just bring down those institutions. They're, let's just ignore them, turn our backs on them. We don't need them. All those institutions are about are about destroying our lives, stealing our wealth, taking tax from us, which is being used to kill us through deadly vaccines, a health service that is funded by big pharma, pushing pharmaceutical products, which only end up in the long run making us sicker. Uh, There's nothing that the state has to offer us. The institutions of the state are corrupt from top to bottom. And uh, this is the lesson of the last 100 years. You know, so I would much rather focus back on small, independent, family run businesses, holistic approach to health, uh, to stop people paying tax uh, in every which way to continue the cash economy, make it be a black market, whatever yeah. we it's I mean, maybe it's different in Scandinavia, but Ireland is such a small country. We can do it on our own. We're very agricultural, rural economy. We ne- We never industrialized, which is a good thing in many ways, because it means that we still have that agricultural agrarian backbone where most of us come from the farm or we're one generation removed from the farm. Mm-hmm. So that, that should be a big point in our favor, that we should be able to produce our own food. And, you know, we've a lot of turf uh, bogs, which, you know, are very good in terms of providing heat for us if we need to go independent fuel-wise. And... Um, we can sustain ourselves as an island nation, no question. You know, we're surrounded by food. So that would be my approach, you know. But as I say, we we never industrialize. So that that is going to stand to us as a country. Yeah, a couple of points there, which is interesting, because now, of course, you have all these big, you know, transnational corporations in Ireland. They moved in, what, a, what, a couple of, almost a couple of decades now, 15 years ago, maybe something like that, to 2000. Uh, 10-ish, I, I, maybe it's earlier, but I just remember that change in Ireland. They dropped the corporate taxes and tons of these big corporations. Uh, you remind me, some of the big pharma corporations moved in, but a lot of the big tech corporations as well, such as Google and IBM. I think Microsoft have a foot over there as well. And you saw things starting slowly starting to change in Ireland when when they moved in. And as you said, I wouldn't be surprised if, if with that you have other interests, such as, for example, why not? You know, America has always been meddling in other all other countries, right? You have CIA coming in there, or, or whomever they're using at that point, uh, to to make sure essentially that the progression of the country doesn't um, uh, doesn't get away, that that this doesn't get out of hand. They've invested a lot. A lot of these corporations are in there now. You can't all of a sudden have a political system where they started voting, you know, uh, far right or something, or nationalistic or patriotic parties starting to ascend, and all of a sudden they say, ah, you know what, we should get these corporations out. This is just a little uh, uh, colony for for them. And and again, e- even just to clarify. 
when we say America, I mean, that's just another that's I, I prefer calling them global homo. Right. It's just a it's a transnational uh, clique right now of of, of individuals, uh, the Black Rocks, you know, the vanguards and these kinds of cor- big corporations, a lot of people at the top. But anyway, I saw that change in Ireland. And then with that, you saw a lot of uh, all of a sudden a lot of promotion for open borders and pro-immigration and things like that. And and it's not that that was the the um, the the death nail in the coffin, so to speak. It it, it was there for a long time before. We, you said, as you said, the long march through the institutions have happened essentially in every Western country. It's basically the same all over right now. Uh, but it was very drastic. It was very quick, like it was in in, in Sweden. Uh, I'm I'm in America right now, but obviously I'm very familiar with Sweden, having grown up there and living there for most of my life. And the same thing there, really. It was like, for the longest time, it was ethnically homogenous. We were more or less independent. Uh, we didn't pick a side. You know, look at us today. Like, I mean, completely open borders, joining NATO. We're, we're as deeply embedded into Global Home as, as possibly can be. It's, it's a disaster. Yes, I often draw parallels between Sweden and Ireland because we're very similar, not necessarily from a social perspective, Uh, But certainly, you know, in that we were extremely homogenous, like in Ireland, when I was growing up, if there was an Indian walking down the street, like your eyes would be out on stalks. Now you'd be lucky to go into Dublin city centre and see an Irish person. You know, people this summer, tourists, American tourists who come to Ireland because so many of them have roots. um, They are utterly I'm hearing, you know, reports back from many who are saying they will never come to this country again they're absolutely heartbroken i mean i cannot go into my own town of dublin anymore into the city center without actually crying because it is so heartbreaking it's like downtown mogadishu and i i went to sweden a few years ago to see this with my own i wanted to see what they had done to sweden because it wasn't as like five years ago in ireland you know it was still quite normal and I did. And, you know, I was absolutely broken hearted by what I saw in Sweden because both countries are, were very, very safe as well. I think yeah. they were probably the two safest countries. I can't really explain how Sweden, I think because of it's the, the homogeneity of the Swedish people, because you did go the route of Protestantism, which we very much resisted here, obviously, and we stayed Catholic. Um and I, I do think that that has been a problem, the split, obviously, you know, between Northern and Southern Europe, the fact that we're not united under under one uh, faith still has been very problematic. Obviously, that's that's another argument. So, yes, Ireland was targeted. Uh, it probably began in the 80s, actually, you know, where they started this nonsense that we could not survive as an island nation without having an open economy. So the infiltration had started then. We had the likes of Peter Sutherland, who would be sort of the father of globalism. And he very much, you know, was engineering behind the scenes at Bilderberg, bringing over young politicians from Ireland to Bilderberg and getting them trained up. And then our obviously our green in the original meaning of the word that our natural environment was extremely unpolluted because we'd had no industry here bar an agricultural industry which was very successful not only in ireland but all around the world our food our meat our beef our lamb uh, our dairy produce was well known internationally and um so they started telling us that no that we needed to open up to um, open up our environment, basically, that we had this natural endowment factor, 
whereby companies could come in and pollute to a degree that they wouldn't, that the land and the waters and the lakes and the rivers were so clean that they could pollute for quite a while before it would become obvious. It was absolutely disgusting what they did. And, you know, now we have these green communists lecturing us every day about having to reduce our carbon emissions, but you never hear them talking about the pharma plants that are in every right. single town. Yeah, Every single town in this country, you could almost say, has some sort of pharma outlet scamming, scamming the public, bringing in foreign workforces, not paying sufficient tax, and most importantly, poisoning their patients. Yeah, here's a story here about the the culling, right? To the the we got to meet the climate uh, the climate goals, the carbon uh, bullshit <laughs> stuff, and they basically want to cull two hundred thousand. I think some estimates were three hundred thousand. Depends on how do you, how you slice it, I guess. But uh, and again, that's the big concern against similarities between Sweden and uh, and Ireland. I saw uh, basically them the state that the politicians turning their backs on the Swedish farmers. We became more and more dependent on imports of food as a being as opposed to being self-sufficient and, and independent on that front mm -hmm. uh, and they started basically uh, but take just the milk industry right just huge conglomerates forms it down in Europe and they be, of course they go together so they're able to sell the milk cheaper and basically it becomes um, not profitable for for our milk farmers in Sweden to continue doing this uh, and they don't, they don't get backed up then they don't they don't get help and so they just uh, uh, urge them to to, to stop to, stop farming don't do it anymore uh, move on kind of thing and now we're seeing how dangerous that could be because of that dependency like any little break in that supply chain and and it, we could see a starvation disaster i mean look at netherlands they're the second largest food exporter after the united states and same thing is happening there they're they're you know they're uh, shutting down about three thousand farms and it's like where's all the food supposed to come from is it is it are they moving to the printed meats here or the is it the bug protein they're going to wheel out but i mean it's like somehow you know in, Populations are increasing all the time. They're bringing in more and more people, and they're stop, you know, discouraging farming. This is a disaster waiting to happen, Gemma. Yeah, I mean, look, anyone, if you fly over Ireland, you you will just see green. Basically, there's a few pockets of urban centers, but really, you know, it, it's still for every Irish person when they're flying home. It's just, you know, it's always that moment of where you look down upon your your homeland and you just think it's it's so beautiful and still so green. Obviously, many countries look like that from the from the air, but Ireland in particular. Um, and yet, you know, as you say, like they're they've hand fisted, they've they've handcuffed farmers farmers who used to be so knowledgeable of the land and and who were you know were able to survive difficult you know difficult climatic conditions variable uh, conditions rain you know you never knew in ireland you can have four seasons in a day which we have and it's nothing to do with with man creating that it's just the way it is and a little island out in the atlantic so um but since the eu came in and started meddling in agriculture and uh, teaching farmers, you know, how not to farm, how to rely on chemicals and things like glyphosate, which is so dangerous. You know, all of our agricultural products now have they're contaminated with glyphosate, but you never hear the Greens talking about banning that, at least in Ireland, you don't. No. But our farmers now, you know, Henrik, they've become so lazy and they've become, they became so reliant on subsidies. 
they buy these huge machine, big tractors uh, that make them lazy. They don't love the land anymore. They don't love their animals. And um, it's it, they're in it for the money rather than the love of the land. So, you know, if you see the modern day farmer, you just think it's scary because he's probably up to his eyes in debt. He's got this 5G you know, masks on his land. Everything is being he doesn't have any idea what's happening, Like that the government is coming in to control every single aspect of his life and eventually destroy his livelihood. And um, it's really sad, you know, for an agrarian country to have lost this. But as I say, it's still very much in our genes. And there's a lot of very good farmers who are developing into organics. And, you know, people all around the country are, are just growing their own. So but it's, it's tragic what has happened to agriculture here and, and the pollution of the environment. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Peter Sutherland there too. Kind of uh, the World Economic Forum page has him as the father of globalization. Uh, I did a piece on this guy way back, and of course, then you had there's some other people over there too. Obviously, we shouldn't forget about people like I never know if it's Bono or Bono, but whatever, you know what I mean. The U2 singer and uh, uh, Bono, yeah, and his buddy there too, right? Jamie Drummond. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Who who he had a, a very revealing. Uh, admission when he talked about how he had apparently together with Bono helped to push the uh, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals apparently they started this uh, group called the uh, one initially the one campaign and with that they kind of got to a lot of the politicians and they worked with groups like the UN obviously which it's under but also the World Economic Forum and they said uh, we got to pass this you know we're, we're sustainable development goals that sounds great that's we, we got to do that and and those have been tremendously successful uh these globalist chills pushing this kind of stuff and garbage and actually if you if you look at the sustainable development goals i think it's 17 or something like that in total i forget the uh, number but it's almost like the majority of them have something to do with migration or open borders or somehow like they call it safe and uh, no uh, orderly and regular migration they call it the only the only problem that they have seem to have with all this is oh if it's if it's not um, if it's illegal immigration there could potentially be a legal problem in the future over this or something like that so we have to make sure that basically the borders remain legally open and that everybody just can walk in safely and orderly and then it's all good it's incredible isn't it it's crazy i mean look ireland is three africa is 360 times bigger than ireland india is about 50 times bigger and we're being told that we have to, you know, take in hordes, hordes from these enormous countries. And, you know, it's it's just like that. You come to Ireland now and you will you will be absolutely shell shocked by what you see. And we, we are, you know, there's only five million of us here, if that. Uh, sadly, our women are not reproducing our mothers, our grandmothers, maybe our grandmothers would have had at least 10 children on average and um, more, in fact, <laughs> you know, and it was wonderful because we, we all came from big families. So every Irish family was like a big tribe, really. And you always had loads of cousins and aunts and uncles and it was a big support network. That's gone now, and the average Irish woman, like the average Italian woman, is barely reproducing. So we are screwed as a people, really. You know, having gone from being the most probably fertile people on the planet to um, being, you know, up there with the 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 
you know, women are being told uh, career, 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 and don't have children. Children are a drag. Uh, but do, I just, if you don't mind, Taylor, just getting, I'd like to discuss Bono for a moment. Sure, yeah, go ahead. It is all very, very interesting. You know, the programming that we as Irish people were subjected to the social engineering because, you know, it really was the development of U2, which I see as a sort of a critical turning point in our entire makeup as a people because we came from being obviously uh, extremely nationalistic, extremely proud of our long history fighting for our freedom and you know, very um, aware of the persecution, the centuries of persecution that we were put through under the crown, defending our right to be Catholics and to stay under the Church of Rome, as much as that's a scary word, we, we never felt that. And we had a very positive experience of Catholicism. Of course, there's a lot of lies told um, about child sexual abuse and a lot of that has been fabricated i've covered it extensively myself uh, a lot of these monasteries were infiltrated by communist jewish elements and pederasts and pedophiles were put into them to destroy which was that which was the best thing about ireland its catholic heritage so we we grew up in a catholic country and then in the 70s and 80s the entire culture was shaken by the light, by, you know, this pop culture that came from America and the UK. Obviously, we resisted it a lot longer because we we had this sort of moral backbone and, you know, sexual liberation, which, you know, we believe is a form of political control. It's the ultimate weapon of political control where you force women into the workforce and their children are then, um, taken into the hands of the state and the state gets to indoctrinate them when there's nobody at home rearing them in the formative years you know so but in Ireland we we held on to that idea that you you know it's important for mothers to have the opportunity to raise their children not only for the children's sake but for society's state sake in particular so we um you two came along you know i was growing up in that era and like suddenly it was like oh you know we're so cool we irish actually can be on the world stage now and we you know this is our new culture and we should abandon all of that repressive catholic stuff and you know you two were a major weapon in in destroying our identity and, you know, then you look into the, the, the connections that these people have, you know, Naomi Campbell, for example, was involved with that band for a long time. We know that she was connected to um, certain people uh, who have question marks about child trafficking over them, etc. She went to um, Epstein's Island, didn't she? Or something like that. There's a well, link to Epstein, I think. Allegedly, yeah. allegedly so. And I think there's pictures of her with Giselle uh, Maxwell, etc. Um, exactly. And um, then we have this, uh, I don't know if you've seen this clip of Bono during a, a concert in which he called out to his friend, Cardinal McCarrick, arch pedophile. Um, I would say they got dirt on Bono a long time ago and they've been able to use that against the band who are complete traitors to this country they are not irish i don't recognize them as irish and they've done as much damage to this country 
hanging around with warmongers like Blair and Bush uh, than any politician. And I saw Bono recently. I, he, he lives near enough to where I live. And I saw him and he was with some of his, you know, his minders. And I said, I'm going to take this opportunity now to go up to him and, and to give him a piece of my mind. And I said to him, yeah, where have you been over the last few years when the people were being locked down? And I just got this sort of dead look back and I looked into his eyes and I realized there's nothing going on here. And he just sort of put his hand on my arm and he said something inane. How are you? Something like that. And I realized that, that it's like there was just nothing behind those eyes. And he was dead, nearly. The face was dead. And, and to me, he just looked like, you know, as I say, somebody who he's just a puppet of these people. Uh, but they must have got some serious dirt on him. We, we, we saw it also with Sinead O'Connor, you know, who's right. yeah. dead, obviously. She was another one. And she has been glorified in the press here, the, the, the fake mainstream news here for the last few weeks to the point of it's, it's nauseating beyond belief. This is a woman who I don't know how many times she was married, three or four, had children with several different men who weren't even her husbands. And uh, I think one of them was her husband. A catastrophe, a disastrous life, disastrous. And she has been pinpointed as the role model of, you know, Ireland, the, the way Irish women, what Irish women should aspire to being. So figures like that were very much put forward in the last 10, 20 years, 30 years to to just to socially engineer the Irish people. And it's been very successful. Yeah. So we got you back uh, video here, Gemma. But I wanted I wanted to ask you about this article. And you said you hadn't seen it yet, which which is uh, crazy, right? Because you were mentioning Sinead O'Connor. And I didn't see this at the time either. It was actually I started Googling some stuff about her when she uh, uh, passed away here not too long ago. And I was like, huh, look at that. She went after uh, Gemma and, and uh, John Waters. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, she, Let's loose on Irish right-wing racist was the, uh, what is it, Irish Central had, had this. I guess they wanted to, they wanted to have you, she wanted to have you arrested. How about, uh, how about that? And I, I guess nothing panned out from that. You're still here. <laughs> You're talking to us. Yeah, I mean, this, this is particularly despicable because she has a daughter. She had a daughter with John Waters. So yes, I know. Exactly. For her to do this to her daughter, it just, it's no skin off my nose. Obviously, I don't know the woman. I never met her in my life. Thanks be to God. But uh, a long, long time ago, back, you know, over 20 years ago, uh, John did have a, a, a girl, a daughter with her. Yeah. So that that was extremely, I mean, I, all of these, Z, I call them the, the Z-lebrities, you know, the, the Z-list celebrities, they all attacked us, myself and yeah. John, yeah. Uh, since we challenged the COVID and the masks and the vaccines. So, I mean, it's no surprise to me that that she did that. But I don't I don't think I remember it. It may be a distant blur. Um, but look, you know, she's she was mentally unhinged. It was always heading in this direction. And these people are, are just puppets that have been put in to socially engineer the Irish people and, and make them stupid. And, you know, I wouldn't say there was any particular talent 
in either of these entities, you two or or Sinead O'Connor. I mean, she had a oh fantastic hit single, but really, what was? I mean, you know, it was a bit cheesy, really, when all is said and done. And you can do anything when you put someone in a studio and manipulate their voice. So, you know, for me, success is about telling the truth. Yeah, standing up to your oppressors, not being afraid to be unpopular and hated. That's the most important Christian value in many ways. It's the lesson that we were taught constantly by Jesus, that you will be persecuted for speaking the truth and standing up uh, against the herd. And we don't have any celebrities that are doing that. They all just, you know, defend Bow government. Down. Yeah. Oh, that's why they are celebrities. I've no doubt that's exactly. very talented. Yeah. And people. occasionally, when you have them go off kind of their reservation or outside of the playpen that they've been given, uh, I mean, look at Kanye as an example. And uh, sure, he has some issues that he's struggling with too. But look at the reaction. Look at what happened. Look at how Adidas froze his accounts and all the you know. I mean, he made a lot of bad choices, including marrying one of the Kardashians. But you know, be that, be that as it may, they obviously all you know turned on him real quick, and a bunch of you know Jewish attorneys got involved, and they got to you know you got to disassociate from him now, Kim. You know these kinds of things. Uh, but but at the end of the day, what? Where's the lie in, in the majority of the things he said? You know what I mean? Most of the things he said were just accurate uh, observations. And he has a right to vent his frustrations. Uh, he didn't say, go kill anybody. He was, you know, this is this, he has a freedom of expression on his side here. Uh, but that's not how society works anymore. Right now, it's like, well, that's disinformation. And, and it really, I mean, think about it. It really escalated under under COVID, where all of a sudden it, now it's dangerous, right? If if this is myths, information or disinformation spreads, and now you can kill people. That was kind of the arguments, right? So we have to control the narrative. We have to shut down voices, dissenting views, and and if you think about it, that's really the way they pulled this off. I mean, the the one legal loophole, uh, not a loophole, but the le legal needle, I guess, that they had to jump through to get the vax rollout was to ensure that there was not a single other potential therapeutic on the market that could be used to treat COVID. And that's why there was this intense unifi unified media voice and, and strict narrative over things like ivermectin or what was some of the other stuff that was uh, hydrochlor uh, hydrochloroquine or what was it called? It was a couple of those things. And, and the, just as a, from a legal point of view, they would have never gotten the emergency use authorization if there was a single product that could have worked uh, to treat this uh, thing, whatever it was, right? And so that's why they just homogenized essentially the messaging on this thing and they wheeled it out. And lo and behold, would you look at it now, just the other day, like a week ago or something like that, the FDA, I think it was in the US, it was, yeah, the FDA finally approved ivermectin for treatment of COVID 19. And like after all of that, after everything they did, uh, it's it's incredible, right? But the, the, the VAX rollout was like the one of the number one priorities that they had, I think. Yeah, well, I, I never believed that COVID was a thing because very, very early on, I went into the hospitals to see what was going on. I was, was going to say, I was going to bring that up as one of the, I think one of the earlier videos with you that I saw is like, hey, this is great. This woman actually is going into the hospital filming that there's no one there. There's no one there. Was that in no Dublin? One. Where was that? No one. Yeah, normally our hospitals, yeah, we went all around the country. Our hospitals normally are, we, we had the best hospitals 
in the world at one stage because they were run by nuns and they kept them spick and span and they worked for God, not money. But uh, that's another story and that's all over now. Since the health service has been destroyed, normally our hospitals are creaking to the, at the seams and you would go in there and the emergency unit, there would be bodies everywhere, lying, hanging off trolleys, etc. During a pandemic, though, they were empty. I went in and like it, they were so empty that they were able to identify me. And in one particular hospital, one of the biggest in Dublin, I was nearly arrested. Now, we, you know, all the hospitals are owned by the, the, the public. They're public buildings and we've every right. There's a few private ones, but we've every right to go in to them. So uh, they were in total panic mode as we some of us filmed well, what's going on here? Where are all the bodies with this uh, deadly virus? So then also I did one of the first FOIs in the world to ask the government to produce, please, an isolate of the purified virus, SARS-CoV-2, and because we couldn't really proceed with anything until we could see that this existed. And no, no government has been able to produce that. Now, they'll say that there is a computer model of it, but that's no use. So to me, you know, viruses are just bits of debris in our body that, you know, our body is full of debris. Our body is constantly working to get rid of all the toxins that we put in it or, or that are put in it, not by our choice, but by the government, what the government is doing, be they poisoning our water, our air supply, etc. So that that is the, the role. I mean, I don't even believe necessarily in an immune system anymore. I think we have a detox system that, you know, the body is just constantly trying to clean us out, clean itself out. Uh, so I don't I no longer buy the, the whole contagion viral theory. So I have to say that ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. I grew up in an old fashioned chemist shop. My dad was a traditional pharmacist. He would have been absolutely horrified by all of this. And the last time I used Iverm ivermectin was on a, on a horse to worm them. You know, these are traditional drugs that probably have some function. But as far as treating the common cold, you don't need anything like that. You need rest, fasting, and it's your body doing a clean out. It's a great thing. And we shouldn't see sickness as sickness anymore. We should just see it as the body doing its job. And the one thing we should not do is put in toxic chemicals into it and expect it to get better. I agree. I mean, I mostly agree. I think uh, I agree with you in the sense that it was the rollout uh, or the the, the in the beginning, when they said that this thing was, was out there, most likely it was not out there. It was just the probably most likely the common cold. I mean, is it possible that they engineered something? I don't know. Who, who, who knows at this point? Do they have, I mean, they're working on something in some of these labs. They're doing something. I assume, you know, tens of thousands of biochemists are not sitting around not doing anything. You know, but regardless, well, they, did, they did switch on the 5G. They did. So they, right, they right. look, we know if we go back to um, the Spanish flu, we know at around that time, they introduced radar. They also introduced, you know, mass vaccination programs to soldiers. So they've upped the radiation levels in the, the environment significantly during this time frame. You know, 
while the hospitals were emptied out, there was a massive infrastructural project going on in Ireland and other European countries. It, that's true. That's 100% true. Building yeah. these maps, putting yeah. up these masks everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we have been subjected to that. And, I, you know, a lot of people lost their sense of smell and taste and uh, during the initial scam. And I do believe that that is radiation. I, I okay. Like we're being subjected to intense levels of electromagnetic radiation and, and we are electrical beings. So it's bound to impact it's about so to affect us 100 no i agree with yeah. you on that i just i just and the uh, first thing is, is a cold like that's your body's first response that you'll get a, a sort of cold that's the initial detox sorry henrik oh no it's okay no don't worry about it no i, I, I agree with that i just think if something happened when they rolled out the vaccine and if it's true what they tell us about the fact that this has in it mRNA, right? It, it tells your body, instructs your body to produce this supposed spiked protein or whatever, which, you know, is treated as a toxin, supposedly. Point being, it might not have been there from the beginning, but then eventually what you had is when you had the vaccine rollout, then you basically had people becoming factories for whatever this thing is, this spiked protein, oh, and starting to pump that out. And at that point, you started seeing a lot of people getting sick. And so, again, I don't know how to de how to unravel all this and what what is what or what is not. All I know is, I didn't know a single person when they told us the COVID had, you know, uh, had uh, it, when they declared it a pandemic, I didn't know a single uh, person that had been sick. After the uh, vaccine rollout, uh, it seems that this thing acted as a kind of a self-spreader, right? They have this technology now. They're talking about self-spreading vaccines, that uh, a vaccine as a virus. They've used this on animal populations previously, where basically they uh, give this shot to a few of the animals and they actually go on and spread that to the other animals without them having been ever been injected and much of the same way this could have worked and the point is after that i saw tons of people that were sick i was sick we were sick a lot of our, a lot of people around us were sick and in ways that we've never been before so i always saw that this the the, the vax was the pandemic that was the bioweapon that was exactly. the rollout of the disease you oh, know the I mean? vaccine is is the weapon there's no question and, and has been you know the mmr is responsible for the autism pandemic the uh, hpv is sterilizing young girls and and, and paralyzing them you know it, it's it's absolutely crippling young girls and it's another big scam and then the covid obviously we and we've seen other ones like pandemrix um you know which causes narcolepsy so vaccines have been the weapon for a long time yeah no question about that all right, so uh, we're going to take a, a short little break here in a little bit, but I want to make sure we plug some of your uh, sources as well so people know where to go here. I know you said you're working on your website and try to get that updated, but uh, it, it's there. It's working. You have videos on there, uh, and people can find out what they need on there. It's simply GemmaOdorothy.com. We'll have a link to that down below. You are on uh, Getter as well, I believe, right? You're, is that the main kind of... You were kicked off yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, I, I stream. I, well, I'm banned on Twitter. I ha I was the most retweeted journalist in Ireland before my ban. That, now, that was a Twitter survey that was done. I'm not just, you know, saying that. Uh, so I was banned at 65,000 followers. And and, I've, and my account has not been reinstated. Um, we have that small Irish light account, but... Um, yeah, so Getter is where I, I live stream also on my website. And I wouldn't mind talking about that article that you had up about uh, order to remove defamatory yeah. videos yeah, by sure. court, which I did not do. I did not remove them. And uh, they were not defamatory. They were the truth. So we can talk about that if 
Oh, definitely. Yes. Absolutely. I want, definitely want to ask you more about that. Yeah, so you said uh, this is the, if people do want to follow you on uh, on X, you know, ugh, that's such a bad name, Twitter, <laughs> the Irish Light, uh, it's at Irish Light Paper. Uh, it's a smaller account right now, but make sure you follow them over there. And then, of course, you do have the Getter account. I didn't know Getter had live streaming, actually. That's uh, good for them for uh, kicking that off. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, for uh, verified accounts. So they did verify me. I'd say it probably won't last because I am ver I am quite critical of the whole MAGA. I mean, Getter is a MAGA. Yeah, right. Anti-China. China, China is the enemy for problem, Getter. Yeah. China, yeah. <laughs> we know it's not. China is no problem. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, uh, yeah. yeah. All so. right. Anyway, we'll have those links down below, guys. But do, uh, do check those out. And, of course, uh, the website as well. We'll have that uh, linked up. Here we go, uh, Gemma O'Dorothy. All right. We'll take a, just a quick break. We'll be right back with more. We'll proceed in part two with Gemma O'Dorothy. If you want to join us, go to RedEyesMembers.com, sign up for a membership and support our work. It's only 10 bucks a month. If you want a discount on that, get a longer one-time payment. We have six months, nine months, one year or two years subscriptions available. Uh, and if you get the longer two-year one, it's almost 35% off. You can also sign up at Odyssey and our subscribe star. We'll discuss uh, much more with Gemma on the COVID vaccine and its effects. We talk about Jewish influence. We'll hear some on religion from Gemma's perspective as well. And more on what our job is now and what we can do to break free from the uh, prison being built around us right now. Thank you to our executive producers today. Teal author Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeeves, President of Bunga, we have Mongoose, William Fox, Angry White Soccer Mom, The Second Wanderer, Operation Werewolf, The Ride Never Ends, Francis Parker Yockey, Dillbob, Last Place Simp, Joseph Hart, Purple Haze, and also Vincent G. Also thanks to our producers, Mr. Walker, 696, Johansson, Leroy Dumond, Snark Pup, Eyes Open, Mr. Lemry, Yuri New, Obadiah Hexwell, Perfect Brute, and Single Action Army. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate your support. Consider getting one of those tiers. If you want a special shout-out at the end of the show, get a producer or an executive producer tier. Become a supporter and help keep us moving forward. As you know, we don't run ads or have big sponsors. We are 100% funded by our audience. Join us for part two with Gemma. We'll see you on the other side.